Mind Your OT Business podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Welcome to episode two in our mindset mini series that we're doing this month of February in 2021. In this series, we are delving into all topics related to mindset, all of those thoughts that go on in your head as a therapist entrepreneur. So I want to ask you a question to start out this episode. Do you struggle with negative thoughts about yourself, with anxiety, with fear of putting yourself out there? with insecurity about your work as an OT entrepreneur? My guess is you're thinking, yes, we all do. We all have these struggles in our minds. And in this episode, you are going to get so many helpful tips from someone who can really help. (laughs) So in this episode, I interview Carlin Neek. She is an occupational therapist and personal development coach who is trained in acceptance and commitment therapy. I think they call it ACT for short, or maybe ACT. I'll just say ACT. ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. So we, in our interview together, we talk about six principles of ACT that can help you accept those challenging thoughts, the anxiety, the insecurities you feel, all those emotions that come up whenever you're doing something challenging in your business and help you take action that is aligned with your values, regardless of all of those challenging emotions you feel. I truly believe the information shared in this interview has transformational potential in your business and in your life. So let's dive in and hear what Carlin has to share with us. So welcome to the podcast, Carlin Neek. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> that that probably will sound random if we cut out, out the beginning, but Carlin and I, prior to record of this, we're talking about how people mess up her name and call her Carolyn. It is Carlin. It is. Neek. Yes. It's Neek. So that's right. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. And we are going to be talking about mindset issues. This is a little mini series we're going to do on the podcast about mindset. And I was so excited to find you on the OT Entrepreneurs Group. Who recommended you? It was, I think it was Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Because of your work with act as acceptance and commitment therapy. So I want I want you to tell us a little bit about your business and then we'll delve into how this whole concept can help us as OT entrepreneurs with our mindset issues that we all have. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. So I'm an OT. I've I've been in private practice for many years. I've I think 14 years. I think maybe 12 years though since I went all in, I was kind Mm -hmm. of dabbling for a few years there. And most of my work is focused on mental health, depression, anxiety, trauma, and referrals come from third-party payers who would like me to help people get back to life, get back to work, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But in the last couple of years, I've started transitioning some of those skills to offering personal development coaching. And it's been a nice way to kind of look at expanding my business because as an OT 
I've got geographical limitations. And so I would like to do this all as an OT, to be honest. I'm an OT through and through. I would never leave the right. OT behind. But when you look at scaling, I can only see so many clients in my province. I can only right. have put so many hours in. And so coaching is a really nice fit for those OT skills, particularly the mental health skills, but lots of OT skills fit nicely with coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So I've started offering some personal development coaching, which has been really fun. And I'm building a a program around that too. So that's exciting. So I want to hear, and I did prep you that I may ask questions we didn't have on our little like pre-planning guide here, but I'm interested how you got your first clients for the coaching business, because you're, you're talking about having an OT practice, but then moving more into a coaching role for, it's really our other therapist, your target market for the personal development coaching, or could it be anyone? It could be anyone. My first, like my first one-on-one coaching clients have been not therapists. They've been, I I really like working with high achievers and people Uh who get really in their head, really stuck, overthinking, spinning Mm -hmm. wheels, and they need help getting into action. And so that was my initial target market was high achievers. But how do I I call them? Most of them don't self-identify as high achievers gifted. Like Mm. they they don't think they're that special. They just know they're stuck. And so I was a little bit stuck on that. And actually I ran my Activate Vitality program first to a general audience of sort of smart but stuck folks. But learning. Oh, I like most- that term, smart but stuck. I like that. <laughs> I don't think I came up with it. I think I've seen it somewhere else. But there, I noticed like I was building a really big audience of other helping professionals mm-hmm. and kind of went, oh, okay. And so somewhere in there, I threw out a Facebook post that said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a webinar on ACT. I didn't even explain what it was. Is anybody interested? And 350 people responded. Wow. And said they That's were how you interested. know you're meeting a need. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Like, All right. That's good to know. Right. And so and, and I think Facebook is kind of interesting for that because that was just like a little experiment, like just mm-hmm. a little tester, drop it out there. And And all these mostly OTs, lots of social workers, psychologists, that sort of thing as well. Some teachers, um, but lots of people signed up. Only 11 showed up. (laughs) Right. This is is so interesting because I think this is a good point, kind of off topic of mindset, but Mm -hmm. it might help people with mindset to know that what people say they will do is often very different than what they actually do do. Right. So a similar thing happened with, with a little, you know, the, I launched a little low cost strategic planning day in the, in the OT entrepreneurs group. And it was very similar. It was like, I don't know, 40 or 50, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was 30. I can't remember. It was a lot of, a lot of people commented on the original post. And then I think we had maybe 20 that, that actually signed up, but it was, it was maybe about half of the people. So maybe a little better than 10 out of 350, but it's not, un- <laughs> it's not un- unusual for that. It's, it's not, not unusual, unusual to have a ton of people say, yes, we're interested. And then only a few people, and you can't really know. I mean, maybe the time didn't work or whatever, but. And the um, way I did the sign up also didn't work. Um, right. There were some tech issues. I just wasn't prepared for that. Right. Yeah. I was just kind of <laughs> not anticipating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got all stuck in Facebook blocking me from sending out zoom links. I should have oh, had gosh. everybody go sign up somewhere. Right. I just didn't expect that. Right. 
and learning, learning yeah. as they go. But I think it's kind of fun too. Like, and this is part of the mindset stuff we'll get into mm-hmm. is that idea of trying a little experiment and taking a little risk and seeing where that goes and, yeah. and seeing who listens. And so from that one post, I've niche down more specifically to helping professionals because they typically are high achievers and overthinkers and (laughs) and need some help kind of building that a lot of them are burning out right especially with covid and so they're really open and and they get excited about hearing about act because it's a really nice way to work that really Mm. fits nicely with a lot of um the way we want to help people not sometimes the way we're taught to help people it's more humanistic and so I think a lot of people are curious about it. And so I think ACT was a draw and that I'm speaking directly to helping professionals. So I I didn't niche down specifically to therapists. My last run of the prototype program of Activate Vitality was mostly OTs, but I there was an engineer in the group. There was a guitar instructor in the group. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really kind of fun. A really nice group of people. Yeah. Yeah. That speaks to, to the idea of having, having like a niche market, but that doesn't mean that your product isn't going to appeal to people outside of that market. So I I struggled with like, oh my gosh, why did I call this mind your OT business? Because now people that aren't OTs are going to think it doesn't relate to them, but it doesn't really matter. Like how many of us listen to PT podcast or speech podcast? I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. You can still niche your, your specific offering to a very specific group. And if it appeals to other people, then let them in. So be it, you know? So exactly. And if you're listening and you are a PT or speech therapist, you are welcome here. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) It's true. And it feels really counterintuitive as a, Mm -hmm. especially new into business to get really specific about your niche, but they say, right. If you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. And so if you can get really clear about your messaging to a group of people, other people will listen, but you'll be more authentic. And uh, rather than saying, well, I can, do all of these things. What do you need? And right. here's, here's a great variety of things. People are like, I don't even know what she does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you have to niche and have a very specific message. If it appeals to others, great, but you got to know who you're talking to. <laughs> exactly. And that may evolve over time and you yeah. got to be open to that. Yeah. It's part of growth as an entrepreneur, I think learning that. Okay. So tell us, should we get into some of the, the act stuff now? Like, do you think we could talk about like, what is that? So I was telling you before we hit record that I know virtually nothing. I have beginner's mind here. So I'll be a really great interviewer. (laughs) So I know that it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. I'll tell you what I know first. How about that? Perfect. I love it. And then you can tell me that I'm totally off. (laughs) (laughs) So, So all I know, literally all I know is that it is a process of helping, helping people deal with hard things, really. That That's how I think of it, of like accepting that things are the way they are and then committing to taking action is what I'm guessing. I don't really know. That's pretty good. Yes, that is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And I think that acceptance is is a tricky thing. They even say in some of the ACT training that acceptance is a dirty word because, hmm. you know, like speaking to a person with anxiety and you say, Hey, you know what? Like the anxiety is going to be there and yeah. you can engage in committed action. And they're like, well, I could 
don't, this is uncomfortable. I do not accept mm-hmm. my anxiety. This is, and, and so we kind of talk about it. The acceptance piece is making room, making room for things you can't change, mm-hmm. making room for discomfort, not turning away from discomfort, not turning away from hard feelings, hard thoughts, mm-hmm. but kind of sitting with it. And so there's a big mindfulness component to act. Actually, there are six core processes and four of them are mindfulness based. Wow. And yeah. And so, and that's kind of like a lot of us do understand mindfulness, right? Through our own learning and through going to yoga and through different Mm -hmm. contemplative practices and through guided meditations and things like that. So a lot of the concepts won't be unfamiliar to a lot of people, but so the, I'll get into what the four core process or four mindfulness-based processes are, but then the other two are understanding and knowing your values and committed action toward your values. Okay. So those are those six core, what, what do they call them? Core processes. Core processes define the process of of act kind or is of. that just the acceptance it's a, piece it's a no that's that those are kind of the main nuts and bolts okay it's a it's a bit of a simplicate simplification sure. it's based on this relational frame theory and there's a whole bunch more stuff that's pretty high level and hard to understand in a quick and dirty podcast yes Not right, podcast right. i was gonna dirty, say but... the scope of this interview yeah <laughs> totally Totally. But, but the kind of the basic tools are around these six core processes, but like there's some kind of fundamental things that are about lots of Mm self-compassion. We're not avoiding stuff. We're sitting with stuff. We're not trying to get rid of challenging stuff. Mm -hmm. We're, we're kind of allowing making room and, and not fighting what is. Yeah. So the four mindfulness bits, and so, and the, I mean, the main objective is building psychological flexibility. Okay. Um, And I think entrepreneurs and OTs are generally quite flexible in our thinking. Right. And so we have to be, we went (laughs) to And OTs especially. (laughs) Totally, totally. Exactly. And so I think that, I think that a lot of us have this skills and that creates a lot of resilience that helps us roll with stuff happening Mm -hmm. in the world, like a global pandemic that allows us to, to, you know, kind of pivot and kind of go, okay, so what are we going to do with this and how are we going to figure this out? And so ACT is really really useful in kind of amplifying that Hmm. thing that we already have. Okay. So let's talk about the four mindfulness ones. Okay. What what are the four? So I'll list them and tell you a little bit more about them. So the first one is present moment awareness, just being here now. The next one is the observing self or self as context, which is a trickier one to understand, but it's that, that you are the person kind of observing your own actions, your thinking, mm. your doing, your feeling, your engagement, your responses, yeah. and you aren't the content, you're the observer. You're the, the part of you that can observe your thoughts rather than we attach to, well, if I'm thinking this, it must be true. If I'm yeah. feeling this, this, if I'm feeling anxiety, I must be in danger. Yeah. But there's this part of you that can kind of step back and go, oh, interesting. My hands are sweaty. 
Hmm. I'm having this thought that I'm useless. Right. Hmm. Right. Right. So that's self as context takes a little practice, but um, that's the concept. And then acceptance, which is that idea of making room for challenging feelings, making room for, for difficult stuff. It doesn't mean we have to like it. It doesn't mean (laughs) we have to be like, yay, pandemic time. (laughs) I love this. This is the best ever. It's kind of going, okay, well it is. And it's hard. And it's okay Mm -hmm. that it's hard. I don't have to pretend that it's not hard. And I can engage in committed action, right? And so the acceptance bit becomes a bit of a an unhooking skill. And so we can unhook from difficult thoughts and feelings and acceptance is unhooking from difficult feelings. Sort of, Mm -hmm. we don't have to have them all kind of up in our face and holding us back from doing all the things that are important. We can feel nervous and we can take a step like talking on somebody's podcast. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh, you're a natural, please. (laughs) (laughs) And then the fourth one is diffusion. So diffusion from challenging thoughts. So okay. we, we unhook differently from feelings than from thoughts. And so diffusion is a way we deal with challenging thoughts. We're not trying to change the content. So, and I didn't say in the beginning, ACT is a third wave, part of a third wave of cognitive behavioral therapies. And this is a okay. big distinction from traditional CBT where somebody's like, oh, well, you're having all these negative thoughts and we should change them to positive thoughts. And ACT kind of says, wow, it's pretty actually normal to have negative thoughts mm-hmm. that that our brains naturally are inclined to help us survive. And if we were a hunter-gatherer in our ancestors' times and we didn't, it didn't stick in our head that there's a saber-toothed tiger on that mountain and we went all kind right. of the hills are alive skipping up the mountain right. because we were thinking so positively, we would have died. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, that, that idea that it's it's okay to have negative thoughts. It, it doesn't serve us that well in our society. We're not often actually in danger. And so being able to kind of go, okay, yeah, I'm thinking I'm useless. I'm thinking I don't know what I'm talking about. I think yes. I'm going to make a mistake, but that's actually normal. And we don't actually have to kind of shame ourselves for having right. natural human thoughts, say labeling them as negative and trying to turn them into positives. We can actually kind of just unhook enough from them to then engage in that committed action. Hmm. Okay. So, oh my gosh, I have so many questions going through my head. Okay. <laughs> the first thing, the first thing I want to say is on that second, I, I didn't want to interrupt your, yeah. your flow of going through them, but on the second piece, where you are saying it's, what's the second? It's observing, right? Observing self. Yep. Yeah. Observing self. So I have been reading some, a book called self-therapy and it was recommended to me years ago by a counselor, but it it has this idea. It's very, I was very resistant to it when I first started reading it. Cause I was like, this is so weird. It's like, (laughs) it's just Mm -hmm. to me, it felt very out there or strange psychologically, but Oh my gosh, it's been so helpful. And essentially it's this idea of kind of noticing that your, your mind has all of these different sort of parts, you know, Mm -hmm. and noticing when you have parts that are like trying to protect you or noticing parts that have been, they call them exiles where I I feel crazy talking about this publicly because I really don't know a lot about it. I've read like two chapters, but yeah. But basically this idea of knowing that yourself, your true self is that observer who can, mm. who can kind of see the, with, with compassion and curiosity can kind of see the big mm. picture rather than identifying yourself as this 
protector person who gets defensive and wants to like protect you from any kind of pain or whatever. And they kind of have you go through a process. The book is called self-therapy because they have you go through a process where you look at, you know, childhood experiences or like why you might be reacting a certain way. And they have you actually name these parts, different things like Mm -hmm. the defender or the critic or whatever, you know? So it's, it's a really interesting branch of psychology, I feel like, or, or Mm -hmm. a model it's based on family systems theory. It's a model that is used in counseling, but that idea, I, I, and I, I just, when you were talking about that, being an observer, it, it reminded me of reading these parts of this book. Yeah. And, and kind of got my wheels turning about like, this might be a real key to like mindset work, mm-hmm. knowing that you are not your negative thoughts. You are not the person who gets defensive anytime someone challenges your authority or whatever, you know, like whatever your, yeah, your you own issues are. You can be curious about that. Yeah. You can be kind of like, oh, that's interesting that I respond yes. that way. And I yes. did before and I did before. Huh. I'm mean, going to kind of sit with that a little bit. You don't have yeah. to figure it out. You don't have to analyze it. You just have to notice because that'll cause yeah. you to take a beat next time and go, oh, wait a minute. Is that how I want to show up in this situation? Yes. Is that aligned with my values? Yeah. No, that's not how I'm going to respond here. Yeah. Like, are mm. you in, they, in this book, they call it being like in self, you know, that you're not in self. If you are feeling these negative emotions, or if you feel this sense of unease that you're not showing up how you want to be, mm-hmm. or if you're triggered or, you know, they use a lot of words around it, but it's just so interesting to me that that is a concept in so many different methods of dealing with it's mindset true. issues. There's, even, even, nothing, oh my gosh, it's like yeah. metacognition too. That's the other thing yes. that, that came up for me when you were talking about that is thinking about that idea of metacognition helps children with self-regulation. When we talk to kids about noticing what your mind is thinking, noticing yeah. what your, your, your emotions you're going through, you know, it's name it to so tame it, right. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff works with adults too. Right. And it's, it's, uh, it's really powerful to, to, essentially be able to they kind of say put your mind on a leash it's not that you're Mm -hmm. trying to not that you're trying to change the way your mind naturally responds but we're trying to be a little less reactive we're trying to be a little bit more aware a little bit more curious a little bit more in tune so that we can pause be present and Mm -hmm. and just and just kind of continue in a valued action, continue to behave, show up in the world the way we want to show up in the world. But it does cause, it takes some practice to be able to, to step back and be curious. And, and even, you know, kind of the the experts at this stuff, they still get nervous. They still have difficult thoughts and feelings. They still, you know, but they also have these skills to kind of go, okay, this is going on here. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let it stop me. There's a really cool Georgia O'Keefe quote that I came along and it says, I've been absolutely terrified every moment of my life and I've never let it keep me from doing a single thing that I wanted to do. Huh? Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Because these things, like we often think, well, we have to wait till we feel really confident to start our business before uh, we have to wait till we feel really good about this. We've got all the ducks in a row. We've got, you know, like, no, I'm feeling too nervous. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Yeah. You know what? We actually all felt not good enough. We actually all didn't feel confident, but we think everybody else is pretty confident out there. Right. But yeah, I just did. I mean, just yesterday I, I, I did a face the day before we're recording this, maybe not when it's going to be published, but (laughs) in the podcast, but I did a Facebook live on overcoming fear and it's so, 
it's so funny the the way our minds work. Like we just we we just think that everyone is so much better than us or everyone is so much more successful than us. I'm like that is just not reality. Like what you see in the world today because of the internet is never 100% the reality of someone's life, you know? <laughs> Totally. So we, we have I think to, we kind of owe it to everybody to kind of, to, to really show our vulnerable, authentic mm-hmm. selves. And I think yeah. we can, we can change that narrative and uh, by just showing up and being real. And that's actually really relatable, right? People, yeah. people don't relate to perfect. Yeah. People relate better to authentic in the muck, mm-hmm. <laughs> figuring it out. You know, they, that's, that's actually really likable and relatable. And that's actually one of the things that's really helpful. It's not an act thing, but it's been a big discovery for me in the last couple of years as I'm be more public and mm-hmm. trying to put myself out there more on social media and, and in formats like this, where I kind of think, oh no, like I'm, people are going to judge people don't, I'm, I'm not an expert. All these people know lots more than me. Right. And then I kind of show up and go, well, you know what, but people like me because I'm authentic. And, yeah. and if I don't have to be perfectly polished, I don't have to be something I'm not. In fact, it's more effective yes. if I just show up in my real somewhat messy self. Yes. We're all a mess. That is we celebrate in the OT entrepreneurs group. I am like, this uh-huh. is where you can be honest about your mess of your entrepreneurship. <laughs> it's true. So, okay. So the, that was the, the question I had around, around that observer, because that mm-hmm. seems so key to me and some other approaches I've heard of. The other question I had, you kind of answered because I kept thinking about cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I heard you say, I just want to clarify is that ACT is actually a recent advancement of the the general umbrella of cognitive behavioral therapy. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, I think a lot of things evolve. And so if you kind of look at this really broad umbrella of cognitive behavioral therapies, there is this third wave. And so in that third wave, there's DBT, there's mindful, which dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I've right, heard of often that too. used with borderline personality disorder, but not, not only yes. with borderline personality disorder, mindfulness-based CBT. I'm not even sh- clear on what the exact differences are between mindfulness-based CBT and ACT. There's a lot of similarities, but I know sure. there are some distinct differences. But yeah, there, uh, behavioral activation is, is under this third wave I was okay. reading as well. But I'll, I think the big shift is this understanding that we can't change our thinking. That like, so having that, you know, if I tell you, okay, don't think about ice cream, 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 never going to happen for me, right? (laughs) Totally. For anybody, none of us can, we can can say, I don't like ice cream, even if you do love ice cream, but I can't actually get you to stop thinking about it. Right. And so we have more power actually in changing our thinking by changing our doing. Yeah. Okay. Say that again so that we all hear that. I feel like that was very important. So we have more power in changing our thinking by changing our doing. So if I'm saying, Hey, I don't know if I can start a business that, you know, will anybody, will anybody be interested? Will I be successful? And then I go start a business and I am successful. Well, guess what? I no longer have that thought that I'm not capable of starting a business. Oh, yeah. I don't think I can. I went tobogganing with my kids the other day and hurt my bum. And uh, I don't know if I can go down the hill. I don't know if I can mm. go down the hill. Well, I went down the hill. I can, I can totally go down the hill, right? And, and so we 
kind of prove ourselves wrong, right? There's a yeah. saying in some of the ACT training, I think it's Russ Harris who says this, that the, the feelings of confidence come after the actions, right? And so we don't get confident before trying. We get confident okay. by trying something hard yeah. <laughs> and succeeding. And, and that then in turn changes our, our thoughts. Yeah. And then you continually are, because I think we've alluded to in this conversation a lot, how mindset is an ongoing thing throughout our lives. It's not like you arrive and suddenly (laughs) are just so confident and don't have mindset issues ever again. Right. Unless you're not changing and growing at all. Right. Right. Like unless you're just, yeah. (laughs) So so that's what I was going to say is like the mindset issues, at least for me, and I've heard from other entrepreneurs too, that it's like, you, you get that confidence once you get started and then you're going along and then the next like scale comes of mm-hmm. your business where you're like growing or you're really scaling and you're launching new things. And then the mindset issues all come back. It's like, oh my gosh, totally. but I'm not enough of an expert or I'm not a blah, 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 you know? And it's just mm-hmm. a constant cycle of going back to that resetting. And I, I love that this is a process that people can use. And as you learn it and use it more, it's like you said, I I bet that it becomes more automatic. Like you notice more quickly your own thoughts and you, you can kind of reset and kind of overcome. I don't know if overcome is the right word (laughs) that feels so final, but, but deal with your mindset issues on an ongoing basis as you go forward. I think, I think you end up not letting them stop you as you get better at this, right. That you kind of go, Oh yeah starting a new thing. So there comes all the doubty thoughts. Of course they did. (laughs) Just like they did the last time I started a new thing and that worked out okay. But it's, it's the idea that you can have those thoughts and feelings and still continue in the direction that you want it to. And so sometimes you take a pause, sometimes you consult with a friend, sometimes right. you listen to a song that pumps you up, whatever. Those aren't act things necessarily, yeah. but, 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 but we kind of, we learn that we can cope. Like we don't have yeah. to turn away from every difficult feeling and go, Oh no, I, I mustn't do this because I'm terrified. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can be terrified. <laughs> And you can yeah. do it. Yeah. And it helps. I bet it helps you to notice the patterns sort of like, mm-hmm. like, you, which is that you, mindful awareness, right? Yeah. That I yep. am not my thoughts and feelings. I'm the observer. I'm curious. And, and you talked about yourself in this at the beginning too, about being mm-hmm. a student, right? Having that, that curious student mindset. And that's, that's a big, that's a big part of ACT is yes. kind of being able to be, they talk a lot about being a curious scientist, right? Mm. And just kind of like, oh, I'm here to collect data. I'm open. I'm flexible. I think the definition of mindfulness is observing in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and without judgment. Mm. Yeah. And so, and that's John Cabot's in his Who's definition. wonderful. Yeah. He is absolutely the godfather of mindfulness. He but is. If we apply that to our businesses and our our everyday experiences and go, okay, yeah, so here I was, I was getting ready to come on this podcast, I was feeling nervous, I was feeling excited, I noticed myself making too many notes, Hmm. but whatever, like, that's okay, that's that's part of my process, right? I haven't looked at my notes more than twice since we've been talking, right? Yeah. But but it helped me to process, helped me to kind of be in the present, helped me to feel that there was a backup in case I clammed up and, right. and that I didn't judge myself for it. I didn't go, oh, no, no, I'm not ready enough. You didn't send me the questions soon enough. No, right, right. Like, 
right. That's not what this is about. This is about having a conversation. Which was <laughs> veteran podcaster error. <laughs> but I did not send you the question soon enough because I had the wrong email first and then it didn't send. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm glad I'm glad you didn't, right? Because I probably would have gone into overthinking over preparation mm, mode yeah. and not shown up and been as present in the moment because I would have wanted to get through my really good checklist of all the things right. I should talk about, right? Which is not how this needs to flow. Right. Nobody relates to that, right? I could stand up and read you a speech, but who wants that? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think it's good hearing, like, it's good hearing the the process and also hearing how you use it yourself. That's a good example. You just shared of how you used it yourself in the moment mm-hmm. to kind of deal with a low stress situation because this it is pretty low stressful stress, for you. For sure. <laughs> and because I know we're well aligned in our values, right? Totally. And so yep. like the kind of the whole center and I actually threw out in one of the ACT Facebook groups that, hey, I'm speaking on this podcast and, you know, speaking to entrepreneurs and kind of has anybody else done this before? Which concepts would you make sure to cover? And all the responses were about values. And we mm. haven't spent a lot of time on values yet, but it's that idea of if you're really clear about your direction, if you're really clear about your why, and you talked about yeah. this on your video that I watched this morning, if you're really clear about why and how you want to show up in your business, how you yeah. want to show up in your life, how you want to show up as a person, then then the how, the the, the discomfort of, of going in that direction, the discomfort of engaging in the committed action, you make room for that if you're really attached yes. to why you want to do this. Right. And, yeah, and so that's... those are values. Yeah, that's such a good point. So like knowing your values and your why is a big part of there's that book. I forget who wrote it. I feel like I read it a long time ago called Start With Why. Isn't that a book? Yeah, An entrepreneurial it is. book? It is. I, I, I feel like I, I didn't, I feel like I didn't love it, honestly, but it's interesting to note that I have had books that I read at one point not resonate mm-hmm. with me. And when I go back to them, I'm like, why didn't I like this the first time I read it? So there's something to be said for learning or reading what you need when you need it rather than just reading it because it's the best business book that someone recommended to you or whatever. So exactly. I think it's start with why is, is the yep. name of it. I think maybe is it Simon Sinek? Simon Sinek. I want to say yeah. that, but I was like, I, I think that's the wrong, but, it, but if sure. you're thinking it too, it probably is. So I, we'll I did find and, a quote and put it in the show notes. If it, if it, if we were correct on that. <laughs> I think, though, there's a quote that a Nietzsche quote actually that came up on that topic. And it's he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And so that's mm. kind of about that ability to to make room for difficult feelings and thoughts yeah. because you're clear on your why. And sometimes it's about like we think about a business and, and some big companies that got mission, vision, values. They've got it all defined. Everybody wears it in the on their name <laughs> card or whatever. It's right. on the wall in the lunchroom and. And that sort of thing. But this is a little different. This is like, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to be as a as a parent? How do I want to be as a friend? How do I yeah. want to be as an entrepreneur? How do I want to be as a therapist? And even for us who are therapists and entrepreneurs, it feels a bit dual too, right? That yeah. Sometimes it can feel in conflict that we became therapists because we just want to help. And yeah. this idea of being an entrepreneur can be like, oh, but yeah, I'd like to actually create a successful business, reach more people. Like mm-hmm. it's not all about all the money. However, I would like to work a little less and not earn less money. And I'd like yeah. to reach more people. And for me, that why of kind of that mindset issue of 
am I studying this to, to earn more, all this money? No, no, it's not yeah. about that. It's actually that I can help more people. And if I'm working, if I've got more energy at the end of the day, because I'm not putting in way too many hours in a week, then I can show up for my family in right. a way that's meaningful to me. Then I can maybe take all the vacation that my husband gets, or maybe I can take the summer off with my kids right. and that sort of thing. And those tend to be my whys. I, I really love to help people, but it's about kind of conserving some energy for, for, mm. for my life outside of work as well. And when I'm yeah. running ragged, I'm not showing up as my best self at work or at home. Right. I, I just said, I just said to my daughter the other day, cause I'm in the like final days before we launched this online course that I'm doing on nature-based practice for people. So I had to like finish up the little tiny final, final things of the workbook. And my daughter, I was driving my daughter to college. And so her and my son are like sitting in her living room at her apartment. And I'm like in the bedroom, like working, working. And I came out after like two hours. I'm like, do you guys feel like I work too much and I'm never with you? She's like, mom, please. No, you're with us enough. Like you always ask us this, you know, like, Aww, but it's just, awesome. it's just funny because I, I think that that came to mind because I feel that I think women often internalize that guilt a lot when we're yes. building our own business or something, we feel that tension between family and business. And I love what you're saying that when we think about our why behind our business, it's not just the why about why you're doing your business. Like who are you mm-hmm. serving in your business? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the why for yourself too, as an entrepreneur and yes. what are you valuing and, and how do you want to create that business or how you show up in the world? I love that you keep saying that. Cause that's just, that kind of encompasses all of who we are, right? How you show up in the world. So I often think about things as a Venn diagram, probably too many things as a Venn diagram. <laughs> but so if we have all our these all our roles on different circles, they mm-hmm. mostly overlap, right? Our values in our different roles tend to be fairly consistent throughout, but then there are some that show up in different roles a little bit differently. So like my business self has some values that aren't quite the same as my mom's self, right? That's and that, a good and example. that just makes sense, right? I, I yeah. need to be really kind of fiscally responsible. I, I need to be more on time. I need to be more yeah. diligent. And, and as a mom, I need to actually be really, really flexible right. <laughs> and, and easygoing. And my husband's really good at compensating for the other things. Cause actually I, the whole part about really be really being, being really organized and such is, doesn't come very naturally to me. I have mm. to put that on, but it's important for my business. Right. Yeah. And so I need to have that as a value because it's part of that ethics of my business. And I like to be be honest and reliable. And all of those things are part Mm -hmm. of how I want to show up as a business owner, as a therapist, as a coach, but as a mom, certainly I need to be reliable too, but we're working as a team and I don't have to do all the things there. Yeah. 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 So values can be a little bit different in, in our different roles. That's what I was. I I like how you talk about how there, you can have different values and different roles too, that that makes Mm -hmm. sense for life. It does. It definitely Will you tell me, so I think I want to kind of draw us to a close a little bit. We talked about those first four, but we didn't do the last two steps, right? But we have been talking about them all along. So those two are values and committed action. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. It we so flowed. naturally talked about it. Did you do that on purpose, Carla? Oh, yeah. I talk about this stuff all the time. 
time. And it's actually interesting because act is a thing where you don't, there's not a step one, two, three, four, like there's no order. So in fact, when I put it into an online program, helping, helping professionals learn act through an experiential way, I had to do a lot of research to figure out how the heck I was going to put this in order. Because when I'm working one-on-one with people, we just bounce around all of the different core processes and concepts Mm -hmm. and we just pepper them in as needed. It's very fluid. Yeah. Um, You choose what someone needs at the time. If a client brings up something, you say, you know, I think we might want to go this way and exactly step number four, but it's not an ordered thing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so when I did my research on the order for the program, I found that there was sort of a general sort of order that was easiest to learn. But the way I actually present it is that we're kind of dabbling. Like, so there's a major focus on one at a time, but we're actually dabbling in all of them throughout like a spiral. Yeah. We're kind of looping in and looping back and looping in and looping back because it, it is like, like you said, with the books too, right? You, you, you absorb what you need at the time, but you can't get it all. And I'm finding like, I learned to act probably five, seven years ago, and I'm still learning as I, as I apply it and go through different life experiences or things that I learned in the first place that were just too abstract to me. Now that I have a good fundamental knowledge, okay, I can maybe try and understand what relational frame theory is now, but you have something to hang it on. (laughs) Yeah. You've practiced it enough. Like, yeah, that's a thing I always think about theory that like we teach it to students, but until they get out into the real world and practice, it doesn't, they have nothing to hang it on. You know, they have nothing to kind of apply it to. So it's, it's really an advanced level skill to apply theory, I think, but I think so too. You you don't learn how to cook by reading a cooking book, right? Right. You have to, you have to practice cooking and yeah. And work on more, more and more complicated things. So I think it's important to kind of immerse and experience. And they, they they do say that act is something that you should practice yourself before you try to teach to others. Sure. Um, Of course. So you have the lived experience. Exactly, exactly. There are some kind of fun little exercises that one can do with ACT. Do you want me to kind of illustrate one? Oh, sure. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. So the defusing from challenging thoughts, and we don't typically say negative thoughts in ACT. We kind of talk about challenging. They might not be that useful, but if we kind of label them positive or negative, the idea is that we we want more positive and less negative, but yet they're all human experiences. And in fact, we have a lot of challenging thoughts and we have some good ones too, but we probably have more challenging ones. And if we start to layer on shame by labeling labeling them as negative, it, it doesn't help anything, right? And I had a client actually who he had been through so many years of traditional CBT um, and he hadn't left his house in over three years. And he was trying, like he was trying to before I met him, but he was going into the grocery store and having a panic attack every Wednesday, going back home, go back Mm. to the grocery store, have a panic attack, go back home. And he had been doing that for months. And so, yeah, and I came in and we changed up the exposure plan a little bit, step back Mm -hmm. to baby steps, that sort of thing. But it was interesting because he'd often say, 
oh, but I'm so scared and this is so hard. And then you go, oh, I, I shouldn't be having those thoughts. I should be thinking more positive. And I said, really? Because this is really scary for you. Like it would be actually kind of weird if you're like, I'm terrified and yay, I'm so right. excited to be here, Carlin. Like, let's do this. Right. Like that wouldn't be very authentic. You could say those words, but it's probably not true. This is quite frightening for you yeah. realistically, right? And so the I like the compassion that comes with with this but diffusion from challenging thoughts is probably one of the most powerful act tools and so the, there are a lot of ways that we kind of diffuse from thoughts but the idea is that thoughts are words and we give words meaning um yeah and and so they're kind of symbolic but they're not necessarily true our mind is often being protective right it's mm-hmm. telling us things it's trying to if nobody liked your post on Facebook, they all must have hated it. Yes, you know? or oh. hate you as yes, a person they probably and hate, hate everything you, you yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and your mind might tell you those things, not especially useful or helpful, probably not true. But if we let that stop us from then making the next post that was really help, would be really helpful for someone, then it's really, those thoughts have gotten in our way of, right. of doing the valued action, right? So there's a bunch of little kind of tricks to just unhook enough from the thought that you can, you're not trying to change it. You're just trying to make it less sticky. So you can kind yeah. of put it down and carry on in a valued action. And so there's one called naming the story. So, you know, that concept, that Dan Siegel concept of name it to tame it that we use often with kids, Mm -hmm. where if we can label a difficult emotion, or we could also label a difficult thought, then it's a little bit has a little less power, right? We're kind of bringing some logic to it a little bit and that sort of thing. So the idea is you take out a piece of paper, and you write down on one side of the paper all the awful things your mind tends to tell you mm-hmm. on a theme. And so if it's about posting on social media or if it's about starting an online program or if it's about starting a podcast or mm-hmm. something like that, starting a business, you dump it all out and you spend a few minutes writing all the things your mind tells you. You're a loser. You're going to fail. You should have never done this. You shouldn't quit your job. You're not right. meant to be in, like whatever, all those things. And you write and write and write and, and really dig in deep into like all of the thoughts and the feelings yeah. that come with those thoughts. And then the therapist then asks you to kind of immerse in it and kind of say, well, if you were to name that, if that was kind of all those thoughts were put together like a story or a feature film, what would the title be? And they kind of, Russ Harris, he's uh, one of the act people, he's written some great books and does some Mm -hmm. nice training and stuff. He'll say it might be the something, something story. And so if you kind of just read through the words, read through the words, you kind of come up with your something, something story. It actually helps if you bring some humor to it. And so I did this exercise with a group once where we all dumped our stuff on a piece of paper and it was, uh, I was running a group at that point and I really did my stuff on there and I came out with my high functioning hot mess story. (laughs) (laughs) And so then when those recognizable thoughts on that theme come up later and go, Oh, right. Like that's my high functioning hot mess story. I know this one. Yes. And carry on. And so I can kind of laugh about it. I can bring some humor to the fact that my mind's been telling me all those things. Yeah. But that doesn't define me. It doesn't have to be true. I just need to make it a little less sticky so that I can keep on going. Yeah. So that helps it. It, it helps you unhook from the challenging thoughts because you're, 
familiar with them. You've mapped out all those thoughts, you know, the story and you can, it also brings a little humor and lightness to it where you, which I think helps us detach. I mean, humor diffuses arguments. I, I joke sometimes that my husband and I may not have been married so long if he didn't have such a good sense of humor and be able to make me laugh in the middle of an argument. Yes. <laughs> I'll do something. I'm like, dang it. You're making me laugh and I want to just stay mad right now, you know, but, but it does, it has like a way of diffusing our challenging emotions. I like that idea of challenging too. I've always thought that that's such a good word for instead of the word disability that we use in our OT mm-hmm. field, it's like, mm-hmm really, these are just challenges people have. Everybody has challenges. And I I like saying like physical challenges, motor challenges, social Mm -hmm. challenges, you know, like I like that term challenge because it, it implies a strength in the part of the person to be able to kind of meet it rather than the word dis in disability. I just don't like, even though I know we still use it, but it's, it's to me, it's just as bad as handicap, honestly, but language, language is important, right? And and this is kind of all about the language inside our head, the language we're using and kind of being intentional about how we're using words and, and, and not to be mixed up with like, positive affirmations and toxic positivity and like rah yeah. rah like I'm going to tell myself all these things that I don't actually believe or invalidating difficult mm-hmm. experiences by making them look pretty that actually yeah. defeats the purpose because then we kind of feel ripped off by the real situation right yes so. I and this is I love that you're saying this because and this whole conversation I've been thinking of this that I think for a long time I I've been pretty public in other podcast episodes or on Facebook that for a long time, my first few years of running a business, I was really like, oh my gosh, mindset, blah, blah. you know, like I just mm-hmm. sort of didn't buy into the idea that mindset was that important as an entrepreneur. I was kind of like, just put your pedal to the metal and do the work people, you know, like I, I kind of, I didn't want to get caught up in the, all the psychological stuff and, mm-hmm. and really like it is very important. <laughs> But, but I think part of my, I think part of my frustration with it was that I felt like it didn't leave room for negative in, in my mind, you know, at the real or yeah. challenging thoughts. It was yeah. always like, just be more positive, just think yeah. you're great. And then you'll do great, you know? And, and to me, what you've been sharing in the last hour or so is, is so aligned with how I think about how we run our businesses. It lets you be authentic. It lets yes. you own the things that are challenging and, and gives you a way to kind of process them and sit in them and just kind of embrace them, even though we don't want to welcome the challenges necessarily, but they, it's a way to live life that is actually real and not just like in my mind, mindset was kind of always this, like, just be positive kind of thing. And I, that's just not my personality. I'm just a real person. And I I like to be authentic and I, you kind of know what I'm thinking if I'm in a bad mood. So Exactly. And and so. that's that's something that you can trust. That's something that people can count on, that you're not yeah. gonna blow smoke. You're gonna you're gonna say you're gonna be really real. And if it's great, it's really actually great, right? And, yeah. and if it's not, that's okay. If if we run from all of the things that make us uncomfortable, all of the challenges, our world's gonna be really small, right? I, yeah, I'm kind of worried about actually us all trying to emerge into the real world after we've been so closed in, uh-huh. right? Because we yeah. kind of haven't been on stretch, right? 
And, and so some people are going to be like, let's, let's get back yes. out and see everybody. And other people are going to be like, ah, like, like my client who was having trouble going to the grocery right. store, right? Right. Because we haven't had to go out and, and stretch yeah. that much anymore. It's just been such a weird year. Anyway, <laughs> it, has. it so has. We're recording has, this. This is almost the end of 2020 for people listening to this in the future. If you're hearing this three years from now, be happy you didn't live through 20. Well, I guess you would have lived through 2020. Yeah. <laughs> be happy we are three years from now. Is what hopefully, hopefully we're all through it. I have to yeah. say, I have, instead of positive affirmations, I have words on my wall behind my computer. And the one that's right behind my camera is vulnerability is your superpower. And yeah, so instead I love that. of like, that sounds very Brene awesome. Brown. I think, yeah, I, have, it might I, be. Think, <laughs> I think, I think it could be for sure. And yeah. it's, it's just that, that being, being real and vulnerable and turning toward difficulty, it builds resilience. It builds, yeah. it builds trust. It builds like ability and all of those things are really good. And if yeah. we can kind of, these are really good evidence-based ways of showing up in the world. And I too struggle with some of the mindset stuff where I like a bit of woo for sure. Like, but, yeah. but some of it can be really like a little too much. Like I get a bit cringy about Mm -hmm. manifesting things, (laughs) that sort of thing. Right. But at the same time, I think that there are some woo things like the abundance mindset, for instance, the idea that there are what 8 million people on this earth. And if somebody else is running a similar program to you, (laughs) who cares? Right. There's plenty of work to go around. They're not going to be you, right. Those types of things, but we can't run away. The idea is we stop, we need to not do, they call it experiential avoidance in act. And if we are, have this belief that everything needs to feel good in order for us to proceed, then our, we're not going to proceed and right. we're not going to change things and we're not going to be trailblazers and we're yeah. not going to start new businesses and, and try new ways of doing things. We need to face the discomfort, sit with the discomfort yes. and still keep moving forward. And, and that gives some tools to help us kind of show up in that mindful way, be really clear about where we're headed in terms yeah. of our values, our committed actions, being flexible, having lots of self-compassion, being really curious and, and open, flexible, and so that we can roll with what comes. Okay. So let's do our last three quick, the things I end every single episode with. And I, we kind of, well, we haven't really talked about this one, but it's all along the topic of building resilience through challenging things. The, The question I love to ask people, I need to say an aside here. I recently heard on a podcast, someone say, I hate that question of what's been your biggest failure, because I feel like it's, I don't even remember the reasoning. And I was like, Oh no, that is the best question. Like, (laughs) I love asking people this. I don't really frame it as failure, but the question is what's the biggest fail learn that you've had? Like, what have you learned from failure in your business? And what advice do you have for others to maybe learn from that fail learn that you had? So I tried to actually like think this is the one question I knew for sure was coming or uh-huh. two, 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 three questions. Right. And I tried to come up with an answer. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to think of it in the moment. <laughs> and I'm not sure that I have, but there are, there are a couple, I think, I mean, the biggest one that's aligned with our conversation is that idea that I have to have it all figured out, that I need to know the end results, that it's, I've got it all, have it all polished and pretty yeah. before I take step one. And I didn't, like I didn't actually do that, but there are times where I get caught up and go, oh no, I don't, I can't do that next thing. Cause I don't, 
I don't understand. And, Hmm. and, and so it really helps to just, sometimes you can't see the next step until you take, right. Right. Until you take a step, right. Right. Maybe it's around the corner and you need to start moving in that direction. Yeah. And we talk a lot about that in act two is kind of a toward move. If, if we kind of picture ourselves at this kind of high, high end of fully living our values, fully showing up in everywhere uh, the way we want to, but most of our actual moves are somewhere short of that, right? But (laughs) we're moving toward, toward. we're we're small stepping in the direction. That is exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so when I get stuck, it's often that perception that I need to have it all figured out before I take a step. And then I just go, no, no, I, I need to take a step. And and the next step will become a little clearer after I take a step in that direction. Yeah. So I don't feel like I get totally hung up on that, but I think it's a thing that kind of, it comes up as a hurdle, Mm -hmm. especially when trying new things. Yeah. It's a good, that's a good one. Okay. Now what is something that's going very well right now in your business and how can others have a little bit of that same success? What, what advice do you have? I think we've talked a little bit too that I'm I'm working on expanding into my coaching services, mm-hmm. and so I've built an online program that I ran as a prototype twice. But the interesting thing is the stuff that came before that was that I I had planted the seeds to start this for many months before getting to it, but I was too busy. I was just yep. too busy. I just didn't have time to build this other thing. I was too busy with the other work. I was turning away referrals because I had too much on my plate and there was just never time to take the risk, but that was probably more my fear than anything. Why would I yeah, turn sure. down sh- a sure thing for building something that may or may not go right. anywhere. Right. But I knew that kind of back to those values, I knew that being able to work a little bit less, I could be more effective mm-hmm. in as a parent, as a wife, as a, as a, as an OT, as a business owner. And so I need to, to shore in a little bit. And so some, at the beginning of COVID, there was a shift from my major referral source. There was a shift where I wasn't going to be getting any more referrals from them. And mm. I was terrified and I was upset and it wasn't fair and all the thoughts right, I right. had around that. Right. But it pushed me to step into the discomfort of building this mm. thing that I had been meaning to build for several months. Yeah. Plus, it's online. And part of my fear was that, well, people aren't going to want to do online stuff. They they want in one-on-one face-to-face and trying to sell them on this thing that's online where we're not sitting in a room together. They weren't going to want it. And I kind of went, wow, actually that's all they can have now. And so now's a good time. So in this COVID time, I, I built this program. I ran the first prototype that wasn't specific enough in my niche. I ran the second version of it. It went very, very well. Mm -hmm. And so right now I'm about to launch sort of the evergreen version of this program and really excited to be working on that right now. So in January, yeah. Tell us about that. I want to know what your, I'm looking at time here, but I want to know what share, share with the listeners here, what the program is, how it's structured. Cause they, you, there may be people listening who are interested in the program, especially after hearing you share all the useful things you did in this interview. Sure. Tell us how it's structured and a little bit about where people can find it. Okay. It is called Activate Vitality, Rise and Live Fully. And it's oriented to helping professionals who are feeling 
they might be feeling burnt out, stuck, not fulfilled, knowing that there's something more, like that there's this kind of something more that they want, but they're not sure how to get there. And we use ACT as the framework. So you get really clear on your values. You go at your own pace. So you're doing modules online, going at your own pace. But then there's a weekly coaching call with me. Okay. There's a workbook, which I've actually published as a planner as well. So there's some reflection pages and education pages in a planner format, but the planner is the vehicle for application and reflection. So you're noticing what you're doing, how that's impacting you, being intentional about your choices going forward, Mm -hmm. and really getting clear through that process that can take as long as you want it. You have lifetime access to this program and any future evolutions of it. Yes. You can So is it is it like four weeks? How are the, how, when people sign up, they do modules, but how many modules yeah. are, is there, are there six for each of the, each there of the seven steps? or eight? I hate to call them steps. <laughs> They're not steps. <laughs> They're not steps. There are seven or eight modules. I haven't okay. defined the the seventh and the eighth can be blended into one, but I think they're more impacted impactful as two. Mm-hmm. So I haven't recorded those ones yet, but it's seven or eight modules. Ideally, like if a person was going at kind of a pace of a module every two weeks, I think that's a good pace, but some people might need more time or they hit a hiccup or something happens in life. Right. You, you, you kind of, you, you can go into a holding pattern and you can go back and reflect back on other ones and keep going yeah. forward. You can participate in coaching calls anytime. I'll just be hosting them every week. Okay. So, so you host the in. weekly call every week Yep. and it's kind of rolling. Once you make it evergreen, like if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't launched online products, evergreen means that it's just there available all the time for people to purchase. It's not like you're only opening the cart for a certain number of days or anything like that. So once it's evergreen, you'll have people coming in, but because of it sounds like I'm guessing because of the format of how act is, it's not like first do this, then do this, then do this. Like you can, anyone that is entering your program at any point in time can benefit from the coaching call because you're not going through just step one of the process is exactly acceptance or whatever. some stuff in an order through the modules, but they'll benefit from, but because I'm dabbling in a lot of the concepts in a kind of spiraling sort of way, they'll all benefit from hearing each other on the coaching call. And there's also a private Facebook group where they can all support each other and I can be available to them in between times. So, and I'll be doing, I'll be focusing more on kind of talking to people through YouTube in order to see, to kind of put myself out there in a new way too. And I'll be doing webinars and that sort of thing to help people just see what, what I'm about, what I talk about, that sort of thing. But the idea is that people will get really clear on what's more important to engage in some committed action, deal with Mm -hmm. those obstacles, learning the act core processes and, and tools. But it's pretty cool because helping professionals are better at helping others than themselves. And so it's professional development meets personal development. You have to learn it and live it. And this is the learning it and living it for you. But you might be even more motivated because you'd like to help others with these, these skills and tools as well. Yeah. Because once you've lived it, it's a, it's a tool in your therapy toolbox really to, to help you serve other people. Or if you're an entrepreneur and your, your target market is not people for therapy necessarily, it could help you serve your client, your customers better. It helps Um, in family relationships. It helps in, yeah, all, all decision-making. It helps make decisions really clear. So yeah, people can find that at my website, Mm -hmm. which is balanceworks.online. Okay. Balanceworks.online is where you can find the program and 
Connect with Harlan. R-K-S. And then on Facebook, I'm at BalanceWorksOT, as well as Instagram. And then on Facebook, I, as an individual, I'm Carlin.neek.7. <laughs> I'm more active in that one, but you can find me through BalanceWorksOT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're in the OT Entrepreneurs Group too. I am. So yeah. we'll have we'll have a post for this episode and people can people can tag you there if, if they want to connect to you. That's a good Wonderful. A good platform for discussion because I'm sure this is going to be a very listened to episode. It was so helpful. Thank you, Carlin. I <laughs> appreciate you. you. I, I appreciate you as well. We'll talk again. Bye. Bye. So did you learn anything? Do you feel like some of what Carlin shared may be very helpful to you in managing your own mindset issues as you move forward as a confident OT entrepreneur? I hope. I really cannot wait to chat with you all about this episode. We always have a post for each Mind Your OT Business episode in the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group. If you are not there, please come join us. You can find it on Facebook just by searching Occupational Therapy Entrepreneurs. And we always have a post for the podcast. So please, please weigh in and tell us what you thought about this episode. And I love, love, love to hear from listeners. You can always connect with me on Instagram at Laura Park Fig and send me a DM. Let me know what you learned. Share a screenshot of you listening to the podcast or share it to your stories and tag me so that I can cheer you on in battling all of these mindset issues and overcoming them as we go forward. I love that we can acknowledge with ACT that mindset is not something, maybe I shouldn't even have used that word battle or conquer, because mindset is something that we can accept that is going to be a challenge for us for our entire existence as human beings until the day that we leave this earth. And I think the key is really having strategies, knowing ourselves, and taking those small steps to accept and yet move forward in alignment with our values. I hope that you learned to do that in this episode and got some strategies and principles that can work for you to help you as you move forward. So take a small step because small steps make great gains over time. Until next time, mind your OT business.